Ciao ragazzi, uh, welcome to episode 184 of Serie A Sit Down. Obviously with the intro music, you know I'm alone tonight, no Frank Cravillo, uh, but doesn't mean I'm alone on the podcast, uh, as you can tell by the headline in the show. Uh, we are going to preview the big leg two of the Europa League clash between Milan and Manchester United. Obviously, I'm going to bring in a help a little bit here, and we're going to bring in Hader Rubani. Welcome to the show, my man, the man from the football masterclass. Thank you for having me, mate. Honestly, and I love the intro. It's oh, It looks so slick. It looks really professional, mate. Oh, I love it. So that's brilliant. And uh, it's always a pleasure because we've followed each other for a while, haven't we? Obviously, we have a few yeah. sort of mutual um, followers and, and people yeah. that we, you know, in, in the podcast game. And uh, I've been meaning to get you on. So I'm really honored to be here. And uh, yeah, I just hope that United win the next leg because we were really, really bad. <laughs> we'll get into that next leg here. Uh, but honors, obviously, the pleasure is all ours to have you on here. Uh, before we get into this, uh, tell our viewers, for those who may not be familiar with you, a little bit about you and a little bit about your podcast because it's an excellent podcast. It's a must follow. Please you know, let us know. Thanks, man. Yeah, so um, oh, we've we've changed our names like two or three times now. So we used to be Premier League Trio. Um, so I started it with my two brothers. Um, one's an Arsenal fan, one's a Chelsea fan. As you can imagine Ooh. what sort of conversations. Ooh. Yeah, it gets a bit <laughs> spicy in, in the household. Um, and then we changed it to Elite Football Show. And then we rebranded again. So we're now the Football Masterclass. So the key show and the main show really is is the Masterclass, the tactical podcast. So myself and a uh, journalist who's written for many, many outlets now, um, like Bleacher Report and a few others. Rob Blanchett, he's fantastic. Uh, it's, a real, it's, it's a real tactical show because i think the problem is there's so many fan channels out especially in the man united game where it's reactionary not everyone's like that but there's a lot of reactionary takes um a lot of uh, misinformation not enough knowledge so we really wanted to provide something which was balanced which was um detailed and breaking down the sort of football jargon into into like digestible you know information so we do that i do a few player analysis shows i've had a few other the Serie A um, guys on sometimes I'll do for example like a Roma episode or a Milan episode like I did with Rui um, so yeah just going really well we we moved on to YouTube last year and uh, enjoying it and just just you know what just enjoying talking about football because there's just so so much going on in the world right now and you just want to sit down and talk about your club and you know hope they win because it hasn't been the best seven years for Manchester United or Milan. That is true. Both clubs, uh, you know, both Frank and I, we say all the time that you know Milan and Manchester often mirror each other. You know, two great clubs that have had their downs, upswings and downswings, right? Great successes and great failures. It seems like so. Uh, it, it, it's just after we're playing each other in the Europa League, and uh, yeah, you know, we we also started about a year ago on, on the YouTube as well, and you know, obviously you guys are doing you know a fantastic job, and we're just trying to emulate you. You know, uh, you talked about how it's hard. Um, in the game, especially with our two clubs, there are a lot of teams, a lot of podcasts, a lot of you know, YouTube's about our clubs, and it's uh, we we thought about doing our Milan thing ourselves, but you know, we said you know we're just gonna stick the Serie A thing. We're not even gonna attempt that because you know there's so many out there. But the way you guys are doing it are, are spot on. So, you know, real quick, you know, before we get into the the, the game, um, let's talk about United season thus far. You guys are you know we talk about being mirror. You know, we both had some struggles in the past years. You've had a little bit more success than we have of late, but this year, we're both second place. Uh, we both have big games today uh, against clubs that are trying to be in the Champions League spot. So uh, tell us about, you know, how the season's gone thus far, because uh, I know you've had some successes, like against wins against City, big lo- big win against uh, Southampton, my team that I'm a little passionate about. Nine nothing there, little little big there. Uh, but you've also had some losses as well to like Tottenham, big loss there. So yeah, just tell us how your season's gone so far up to this point. 
Oh, I feel bad about the Saints song because I'm a big fan of Hassan <laughs> Like, I, me personally, like I, I'd live sort of just outside London, um, and not too far from Southampton, maybe about forty minutes. And uh, okay. I always, I always enjoy going down and what, go, you know, going down and uh, especially for away days, you know, and going watch United at Southampton. But um, look. <sighs> Oh, I, I guess you probably see the same thing because, you know, as a Milan fan, we've both got really big fan bases. We're yeah. both fallen giants. That's what I'm going to say. Yeah. Um, I always say, and we spoke off air, I always say that we mirror each other, don't we? And yeah. we've both, I think one of the main night's biggest positives and probably the reason why we maybe won't go down to the depths that you guys have gone because it's, it's been bad for Milan yeah. is that I think Manchester United have so much money. They're such a commercial giant that we're able to buy our way out of the problems right usually covid's here so last seven years have been very very difficult Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's come in and for me personally and I've been battling on my timeline all day today someone's just screenshotted one of my tweets from six weeks ago where I praised Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and said oh well you're flip-flopping now because you're being <laughs> negative you know how it is <clears throat> so uh, I look at the end of the day he's done a lot of good you have to look at yeah. football holistically you have to look at it as many different facets it's not just about what happens on the pitch it's not just there's things like recruitment there's academy development there's uh -huh. what goes off off the pitch Manchester United haven't had a structure they haven't had a director of football ever in their history now they've just appointed one internally we've got a technical director these things are really important for a club the size of Manchester United even like Milan obviously you had Ivan Gazidis you had the whole thing with Boban you had Maldini yeah. you know striking the balance between what you did in the past when we had Sir Alex Ferguson, obviously you had Ancelotti and you had uh, Allegri, who's a fantastic manager. You haven't won a title since then. We haven't won a title since back in 2013 as well. So trying to bring the clubs, our club, especially in yours as well, into the modern age is very difficult. So one of the biggest positives, though, is that United have stopped the rot. And Ole Gunnar Solskjaer deserves all the credit for that. He's got players out that didn't want to be there. I know Lukaku's tearing it up, but he didn't want to be there. And it's a revisionism to say, oh, oh, we should have kept Lukaku. The main United, L L Romelu Lukaku, was uh, well, not overweight. He was bulky. He was heavy. He was. He's, yeah, he was not. What you're seeing right now is prime Romelu Lukaku. But he's playing for fair, manager. To his first season at Inter, he looked the same as he did United. And then he yeah. lost the weight. And now he looks just a phenomenal player. So, yeah. you know. Yeah, it's, it's, it's difficult, isn't it? Because football fans, they don't think about the, you know, for example, Lukaku Man United is not Lukaku at, um, at Inter. So, no. What he's done is he shipped out the players that don't want to be there. He has been let down by the board. You have to admit that we've got a really, really bad ownership, uh, a really bad board. They take money out of the club. They don't invest any money in the club. They bought the club um, in promiscuous circumstances, mm -hmm. all these things. You've got to give Ole Gunnar Solskjaer credit. You know, right now, the table doesn't lie. We're in second place. How do I feel about our season so far? As you said, highs and lows, naturally, and you, it's, that comes... Progression isn't linear. I mean, I saw in Milan, they were sitting top for a long time, weren't they? And then you've had yeah. a, a dip, you've had injuries. Similar to Manchester United. I think what the way I see football is I want to see a manager that comes in or whoever's a manager who has a philosophy. I want to be able to say, right, this is Manchester United. Like you do with Pep Guardiola, you know how he's going to play. Yeah. You know the fullbacks are going to come in centrally. You know the wingers are going to provide width. You know that you're going to have essentially two eights. You know, Kevin De Bruyne and let's say an Ilkay Gundogan picking up mm -hmm. those pockets of spaces. You know, with Klopp, you know, he's going to play his fullback, going to push up really high. Yep. You know, the midfield are going to work very, very hard. You know, Firmino is going to drop. You know, the Salah and Mane are going to make those out in runs. You know how they're going to play. Yep. My issue is that 
you know if United play on the counter-attack, they can beat anyone. They beat Manchester City. Right. But the problem arises when you play teams with a low block and time and time again, United have struggled to break teams down. And that's my problem because that's where you say you've got to coach these guys to move the ball quickly, to to overload the wide areas, you know, quick one-touch passing to try and break down these, these low blocks. And I think one of my issues is that I think Manchester United... Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is a fantastic man-manager. But what I struggle with at the moment, Richard, is I'm saying he's not on the level of Pep Guardiola. He's not on the level of um, of Klopp, which, which is what Man United should have. Mm. Yeah. Even Pioli, right? So I know we'll talk about the game, but you had maybe five or six players out, like us, yeah. key players, right? But who looked like the better dual side? Who looked like you didn't have any players out? Yeah. Whose system was so, was so strong that... Despite the fact you didn't have Zlatan, you didn't have uh, Benacer, obviously Rabish is out as well, um, Chalanoglu, all these players, you still looked very fluid going forward. Yeah. May United had the same amount of players out, and we looked really, really bad. And that's my concern. You should you should be able to take a few players out, and the system is so strong that the on. yeah, that the the gap in quality shouldn't be that big. It should be min- minimal. Look, you take Paul Pogba out, you put in Fred. There's going to be a difference. So that's where I'm sitting right now. <laughs> and and the thing is, it sounds logical, doesn't it? I'm sitting with you right now. We're talking about it. It's logical. These are fair arguments. But you say this on Twitter in the Twitter world. Oh well, Ollie's done this, this, and this, and it, it, it's difficult. <laughs> but I'll say true to myself. And uh, look, he's done so much good. If he gets into the top four, uh, he will get another contract. He probably deserves it, and he deserves to try and finish the project that he's on. Am I convinced he's going to win the title of Manchester United? No, I'm not. But that's because he's not as good as Pep Guardiola and who is. Right. No, it's, it's so true. And I think, you know, the point you made about him, uh, Ole being a, um, a, man, a man manager, not so much a tactician as maybe like a Guardiola, you know, a big stick about Pioli that we've said is that, you know, he also is a man manager and t- tactical at times he gets out tact- managed. You know, we've seen that recently against Conte, for example. Um, and but in this game, what was so surprising, at least with him, you know, the game that we're going to get to in a minute, um, he did look good. The team did look good. And at times when when the team has been out of some starters, they have been not as fluid. Now, they've, they've still been pretty consistent to your credit. And I think that's why the success has been there. So a question that was posed to me on the on the Force Monopoly podcast I want to pose to you is. Uh, going into preseason, what your predictions were to where they are now? Have they changed any? Have you know? Have you had aspirations of, of the league title or whatnot? Because I look from a Milan perspective, the goal for me the whole time was ch- Champions League. It has to be Champions League because we had been out for such a long time. We still had to spend years. 2012, I think, is the last time we've been in. So it, that was the main goal for me. And even when we were at the top, it's like, look, Inter have been inconsistent, but they're right there. You know, as long as we get top four, that's the goal. What has that been your goal? Well, what, how's your uh, the perspective change at all, if it, if at all, this season. I just want to say how crazy it is that Milan has been has been in the Champions League since 2012. A club yeah. who's won it seven times. That's just it's, it's so crazy. sad. And, yeah. yeah, and I think about Man United. We haven't been in the Champions League consecutively since Sir Alex Ferguson left, so 2013. Yeah. Now, if we crazy. if we get in this year, that's crazy. If we get in this year, and I said, you know, the United Milan fixture should have been in the Champions League. That's a Champions League tie. I think back to the Kaka. Um, game when he scored those two at Old Trafford. Rooney scored yeah. the last minute winner. Then you destroyed us. This yeah. is about 07, I think. You destroyed us at the San Siro. But look, I said before the season, we didn't get the players we wanted. And that is important. But I always look at this United squad. When you've got a midfield 
potential talent of Paul Pogba, Bruno Fernandes. You've got forwards like Martial, Rashford, Greenwood. You've got Cavani now. Um, you're looking at all these players and you think, that's a lot of firepower. Yes, the defence has got issues, but that's a lot of firepower. And it just hasn't quite happened for us this season in terms of, you know, the forward line performing. Marcus Rash has been good. Right. I said second would be amazing because it's improvement on third. I didn't foresee Liverpool to be this bad. Um, yeah. But I did say second and a trophy. And the key for me, this was the key. Champions League, you have to get out the, out the group. Yeah. And Arsenal getting out of the group when we had to get one point out of two games against PSG, we had to draw against PSG or against um, Leipzig. For me, that put a massive dent in my in my hopes and, and my trust for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer because you had it in your hands. You had to show up shop. You just had to play, be disciplined and play out a boring nil-nil. Yeah. And that's that's like inexcusable. And too many fans say, oh, well, look, we're in second in the league. We're in the Europa League. We shouldn't have been there from where we were. Correct. The other thing as well, I never expected to win the title. I thought it'd be Manchester City. And I said consistently, we sat top of the table in January. I said that we're not going to win the league because we're squad's not good enough. We're not we're not well coached enough to win the league. Right. But I said, look, second. And I still maintain that. Oligon Solskjaer gets second. I'd like to win the trophy. I, I'm not convinced we'll win one. I don't think we'll win the Europa. I don't think we'll win the FA Cup. But... I just think there needs to be tangible progress, but you can't you can't forget about the Champions League. If this no. was Pioli, right, you're in the Champions League and you had one point from two games to get, and you get knocked out, you'd be upset, wouldn't you? You'd be thinking, yeah. you know, I mean, that's how Inter Inter Milan fans feel, right, with Conte, and they they had such high aspirations. They should have really gone yeah. deep into the Champions League, and they got knocked out in the in the group stage again. So, you know, they they have similar frustrations where you know. Yeah, they may win the league, and if they don't win the league, it's an utter failure because they should have done better in Champions League, and they didn't. You know, I agree so. with that completely. And I think the fact they win, if well, they look like they might win the league. If they win the league, I think that covers yeah. over the the issues. It should, <laughs> it should for at least yeah, a, for at least for the time being. So, uh, well, you know, let's transition into the the game that was leg one. Uh, a 1-1 game. It was an interesting game, to say the least. You know, you mentioned, you know, Milan probably had the better of the play in this one. Um, it was an interesting game because you know, two clubs who uh, had a lot of similar – came to the game with pretty much a lot of injuries, right? Um, unsure of how the teams would be playing. I thought Milan, you know, if they could find a way to get a draw on this one, that would be a successful game. But my, my worry was I've seen you guys at playing well – and I thought, you know, maybe this could be a game where United comes out and busts out with a four nothing win, and I'm like, then it's over, the, the leg's over. What was your, what was your overall assessment of this game? I mean, it was, even though Milan dominated for a good portions of it, it was still one one. Look, the the late goal is very disappointing to give away, and it's an away goal. Yeah, I think. Look, I. I don't subscribe to the idea. A lot of United fans saying, because remember Harry Maguire, how did he miss that? <laughs> how did he miss that open goal? It was hard. James to miss missed it. one too, right? A little later. Yeah, so. James missed one. So a lot of fans said, oh, well, it could have been 3 0. But yeah. look, just look at the bottom. So we had seven shots at home. You had 15. Yeah. I was a little bit surprised when uh, Kessie's goal got disallowed. I didn't really think he was a handball, if I'm being honest. Yeah. yeah. And I think he was the best player on the pitch. He was, he was brilliant. Look. Yeah. I, I said before the game, when you got Matic and McTominay playing together in that midfield, and we've got a serious problem in midfield without Paul Pogba. We've got an issue because we can't progress the ball forward. We've got no one that can play those passes forward into the forward line. Bruno Fernandes is getting more and more frustrated by the day because he's having to drop deep. And when he is getting the ball, he's not in positions to hurt you. And that was one of the biggest issues. I think 
I I was disappointed in Manchester United. I'll tell you why I was disappointed. I was disappointed in how poor we were for at least the first 20 minutes. It's a bit of a recurring theme with United. Yeah. Obviously, you're a Southampton fan. You've you've seen this. I know we beat you 9-0, yeah. but you've seen United in the first 10 minutes or so. They just never get going. Yeah. Um, it's been the stick not- all season long, it seems like. You guys getting your own way in the first 20 minutes, then you're playing catch-up the rest of the way. So Yeah, exactly. And in, in games, I mean, we've gone behind in over 50% of our Premier League games. That's yeah, really... That's, yeah, and then after half time, that first 10 minutes after half time, again, we do the same. We concede goals. We finish very strongly in the last 10 minutes. We've scored, we've got the most points from the losing position. I think it's like 21 points in the league, which is more than anyone else. But this is a problem. You know, when you're seeing these repetitive things, which I see every single game, we start slowly. I'm like, what is going on? What's being said in the dressing room? I'm not blaming just, blaming just the managers, the players as well. Sure. And I just thought you guys were really good that first. 25 30 minutes i thought right milan looks so so fluid they look dangerous <laughs> the, passing was, the passing was brilliant by milan i thought it was yeah. passing it was smooth and i was like oh okay this is how we're gonna play yeah. all right let's go yeah exactly and I, I and the thing is i said before the game i said to a few of the united fans on twitter i said don't underestimate this um this milan side don't underestimate them because yes they might have injuries but they're a good side i know you've had troubles as well um leading up to this game you haven't exactly been yeah. in your best form but I said, don't underestimate them and look what what i said essentially came true i i felt like one one was a fair result but i think easily you know you could have felt disappointed at the fact that you did go one nil down like you did i think yeah. that was something which which was which was frustrating but i'm just not convinced that this united side has enough to win the europa league there's some good sides left in it it's a lot of heavy burden, isn't it, to play Europa League and then play your league campaign as well. We all know that Thursday, Sunday um, sort of schedule, which for some reason seems to make it more difficult for teams. But um, look, I think it set it up very nicely for the second leg, but we, we weren't very good at all. I was not impressed, um, but I'm happy it was 1-1 and, and nothing worse. Yeah, I mean, you saw some warning signs early on where uh, Lee Liao scored a goal. He was offsides, clearly offsides, but scored a nice goal nonetheless. So that's a warning sign there. And then Kessie had obviously a brilliant shot, uh, which they call back a handball. You know, my new rule is is, is if, it, if it's a questionable handball, but the goal is, is fantastic, let it stand. And yeah, it, used got, to be, it used to be the offside rule where you give it to the forward. They don't do that anymore. And if it's the forward, yeah. I think one of the other issues as well is that um, the game's become very robotic. I don't know what VAR is like in, in Italy. It's a lot better. It's a yeah, lot it's better. terrible movie. hit. And it's just like they're checking everything. And personally, I thought the goal was so good. Like, I would not have complained yeah. if it was given. Yeah. But one, one of the players these, really complained either. So, I mean, yeah, that's, exactly. That's I don't good. think many players noticed it was a handball. I didn't notice a handball no, until it yeah. happened. Um, but look, I think I completely agree. I think you guys, I was just impressed. I was impressed. And I, I tweeted about it saying that despite the injuries, because a lot of fans are saying, well, we've got Pogba, we've got Cavani, X amount of players, Van der Beek, who hardly plays, but, you know, these players out. But I said, no, well, so have Milan. And that's where I come to the, you know, the idea of the system. It's very interesting you talk about purely, you maybe have, you know, frustrations about him tactically, because I think that I'm not sure what his his coaching team is like, whether there's a lot of good tacticians in there. I always feel like, that's really important. You've got to have a good team of coaches. We've got good coaches and experienced coaches as well. You yeah. need someone in there. You can have a great man. Like, for example, Sir Alex Ferguson was great man manager. Absolutely. He wasn't the best tactician because we saw that. He only won three Champions Leagues. 
right. oh, sorry, two Champions Leagues um, in his time. But I think that one of the things that separates, you know, good teams from great teams is the fact if their manager is a top tactician, they can get more out of the the less talented players. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I'd agree with that. And I think, uh, you know, to Milan, to Pioli's credit, I think the two of the saving graces for him are two guys who've been on the pitch that really helped create the leadership there is, you know, on the front end, you got Zlatan Ibrahimovic, obviously a 39-year-old and seems like he's 24. And then you got Simon Kiar on the back, who's been, you know, arguably our best defender all year long. Uh, and these are two of our elder statesmen in the team. And so they've been helping to spread the message of Pioli to the club on the pitch. And that's really helped them, especially with, you know, when those two guys have been out, the youngsters have stepped up because of guys like that that take off the pressure from the media, let the kids just play. And I think that's why Milan's played so well uh, this season. So it's been it's been interesting take. And um, yeah, it's uh, so the game. You know, obviously you have a youngster that's from a, from from the city from City A from Atalanta, Amadiallo. Uh, he comes in, you know, at halftime and scores a beautiful goal. So like you were talking about Bruno Fernandez, and he's been one of the catalysts for your team, arguably your best player this season. Uh, he really didn't do much in this game. He had the one opportunity, and it was a beautiful pass. I mean, nobody could do anything about it. And Amadiallo, just a wonderful header pass, Donnarumma. Uh, how – I mean, this is his first goal for the United, right? Yeah, first goal for United. He's um, – look, he's been playing in the academy, and he's he's torn it up completely. And very early on, he was yeah. playing the first team. You're completely right. Look, Bruno Fernandes, I think, for a while has been – I think his performances have not been at the level that we expect from him. In terms of maybe his decision making, you saw it. You saw he was yeah. his final ball was off. He yeah. was um, either hold on, holding on to it too long, or he's rushing it. A lot of things to, that causes this one mental fatigue and physical fatigue. He's knackered. Yeah. I mean, look, out of the top five players that played the most in the Premier League, four of them are Manchester United players. Oh wow, <laughs> that's a problem. Yeah. Bruno Fernandez, Harry Maguire, Wan-Bissaka, and Marcus Rashford. And remember, this is a condensed uh, fixture list. And you can imagine the effect. And this is a thing I think a lot of fans forget. Players aren't robots. And that's why Marcus Rashford's in the squad for later on tonight. I said, rest him. Don't kill him. He's, a, he's still a kid, isn't he? He's 22, 23. Yeah. Don't overplay them. But one thing about Bruno Fernandes, and I said this, is that you he's the sort of player that if you give him one opportunity to do something special, he will do it. And that yep. pass was as perfect as you can get and the yeah. way that diallo i mean look he's a really really exciting talent yeah. i've had quite a few people come on the podcast <laughs> to discuss him um you know just to sort of give a player analysis on him and one of the key things i think look apart from the fact that he is good he's very good on the ball he's a great dribbler his decision making is is very important he plays like a natural winger so he's always playing in you know oc occupying the pockets between the fullback and the, and the center back he will run that channel yeah that's really really important it's instinctive he tracks back i know a lot of people don't like to hear this but if a young player tracks back especially if they're a winger that's a big thing because Absolutely. they don't usually do that Absolutely. you've got to do both sides of the game i'm really excited about him but i, I feel i also feel i feel sorry for the kid because He's come with a big expectation. He only played a handful of games at Atalanta. We all know how great their academy is. I mean, the, the way they run, it's just, it's, it's yeah. almost like a fairy tale story, isn't it? The way that they're punching above their weight. Um, oh, yeah. And I just think that when you're looking at him, he needs to be eased in. And yet there's so much expectation at Manchester United because of the way the club's been run, you know, yeah. saying Amadiolo's the future. Kids are going to have good and bad games. You know this more than anyone. You've got a really young team. But like you yeah. said, you've got the elder statesmen there to try and 
take the pressure off. I mean, Zlatan, who better? And I loved him in Man United. Yeah. I, I really loved him. It fell, fell apart from Mourinho when he left. But <laughs> <laughs> this is the thing. I think Diallo, fantastic talent. Let's see if he starts tonight. And I think he can be go on to be phenomenally good. But the pressure is just so big in a club like Man United. And I'm, I'm sure it's the same at Milan where the fan base is so big and they expect you to just hit the ground running. He's going to have dips in form. Like That's what young players do. Yeah, Milan have, a, have another player who maybe not the same hype as... Uh, well, maybe he does have the same hype. Uh, and I'm talking about Sandro Tonali. Um, everyone dubbed him as the next Pirlo. Pirlo 2.0. And you know, when Milan, Milan signed him, fan base was already like, he's going to be the great. Let him start automatically. And then, you know, the first half of the season, he struggled mightily. And everyone said, get rid of him. Get rid of him in January. And I'm like, hold on. This is a big club. He was a big fish in a small pond. Now he's a small fish in a big pond. He needs to acclimate to the team. And now we're seeing this last month, he's been one of the best midfielders for the club. Not Kessier, but, you know, he's been very good. And now Milan have a very good problem where Tonali can actually start. Kessie's not going to be moved. And Ben has got a starting spot. So you got possibly three strong midfielders there. You're set up for a long time. It's like, relax with some of these expectations, you know? Yeah, they have a big price tag. I mean, look at Juventus, Delict, right? Yeah. In Euros, and when he first joined them, they were like, he's a bomb, he's terrible. It's like, relax. There's a reason he was the captain of Ajax. He was very good. Now you're seeing he's one of the better defenders. So it's like, slow your expectation. You know, everybody can jump in like Messi from the beginning and tear up the league. You know, it's it's, it's a patient. Do you think it's a problem with modern fans though, Richard? Because when you, yes. when you look at it, like how many people, I don't know if it was like this back in the day. Um, maybe it's just the Twitter generation. I'm sure it was like this. You know, when everyone's sitting in the pubs yeah. and they're watching football and was like, oh, this guy's rubbish, this guy's rubbish. Yeah. Um, but I, I do think it's the modern day. I think young players, that's why I'm always, look, I love the idea of, you know, developing youth in your academy and promoting them. I think that's so important, especially for a club yeah. like Manchester United. Yeah. You know, it's it's part of the DNA. You have to do it. But I always say, why bring them into a dressing room where this is not Manchester United under Sir Alex Ferguson, where we had winners everywhere, like right. Wayne Rooney, Ronaldo, right. you know, these winners, Paul Scholes, Ryan Giggs. It's not like that anymore. So, to bring a young player into a dressing room which is potentially underperforming, not the right winning mentality in there, not enough quality, you can de- derail a player's, a youth player's, or you know, a young player's career in that space because you've given so much 100%, pressure. 100%. The confidence is a big thing, isn't it? You've got to develop them. You've got to bring them in slowly. But then conversely as well, some managers are too scared to play players when they're good enough to play. Yeah. So... It's a bit of a balance. It's a difficult one. Like I think modern football, I think Twitter's contributed to this. It's made it harder because I think if you've got a certain view on something, uh-huh. someone doesn't agree. It doesn't matter how much you try and reason with them. <laughs> you can't. They just they're not going to listen, Richard. So no. it's just mental, man. Yeah, and I, you could tell sometimes the, the age of people by what they tweet. Like they're comparing somebody to like a, a legend. You're like, how old are you? Like, what are you talking about? Like, really? Uh, and <laughs> It's it's funny sometimes. I mean, like I don't I don't understand some of these comparisons at, at times, and you know it just it's it, it gets ridiculous. And you know you cannot argue with somebody because you're going to be wrong no matter what you say, whether you're right or not, right? So it's just uh, these expectations. I think you know um, you, you're 100 right. You know you can't bring in a young player to a team that's not have a winning mentality in the locker room. It's just toxic. You know I heard a great quote yesterday and during a Schalke match. You know Schalke is famed for their their youth academy. And yes, they had all these products come through the team just because the team was successful, and that's why the te- the players started performing well. Now you bring in the young players into a team that's very poor, very no 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 has a lot of fragility in the mind. They're not going to be successful, and so that's you know to your point. You know you can't you have to baby them in. You have to work them in slowly. Some players are ready. 
no doubt about it. But most players, you know, they have to acclimate to the situation and make sure that they're ready, mature for the for that spotlight because it is difficult. So, can I ask um, you a question as well? Because I know do. you are, please I know do. you are a Shaka fan, and I know we've seen Kabak go to Liverpool. And yeah. actually, that's why I was going to get you on before you moved to Liverpool because we saw a few reports from Manchester United yeah. and. I like what I've seen from him, but look, he's 20 years old and yeah. the usual case, look, he's gone into a struggling side. Look, they've lost six at home. I think yeah. for the first time in, I think it's the worst, first time they've ever done that. They're yeah. in a really bad spot. They are. A horrible situation to drop the kid into, especially when they're Schalke, you know, they're struggling as well. So I kind of want to ask you about Kabak quickly, but also this ties into Milan. Ralph Ranić was meant to come in. And I said at the time, because I had Rui come on the podcast and we, we did a little bit of a, a Milan yeah. sort of uh, special I said to him, it kind of reminds you of this situation, let's say, with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, where let's say he gets, let's say he gets second. It's a good right. squad here. You know, you bring someone in better, takes them to the next level, you know, despite someone doing really well. So I always thought that with Pioli, I thought he'd done a fantastic job, but he'd done so well that yeah. Ranić would then take you guys to the next level. Do you think, do you, do you regret the fact you didn't actually bring Ranić in or do you think it was the right idea to to stay with Pioli and give him trust because sometimes I do look and think Ralph Ranić would have been, but well, he's, he is the best director of football in the game. Yeah. And I, I, I had, I've always been a pro Ranić guy, no matter where he's going to go. Cause I think he's going to improve that club. Right. Um, at before. So it's funny because Pioli was struggling at one time last year. And at that time, if you told me bring in Ranić, I said hundred percent because, uh, and I think I even said on my podcast, I said, look, uh, Ranić's going to come in. He's going to develop everybody. It's going to be all about youth, uh, all about you know a certain style of play, which is very attractive. And 100, bring him in because he is that next step over over Piola. He's not necessarily a great manager, but he's a great sporting tactician. He's a sport, great sporting director. He can really develop a club. Uh, but then Pioli went on this hot streak at the end of the season. I think when those rumors started. Uh, the team really rallied around Pioli. Maybe they thought it was very unfair criticism of him. Uh, and so they went on this massive hot streak at the end of the season, unbeaten. And then all of a sudden, when those rumors came up again, the hierarchy looked at this and said, like, well, why are we going to change things? Because the team is actually playing very well at the moment. Let's not make a, make a rash decision. This could be negative impact on the team. Uh, and so I think at that time, it was a correct call because I thought – I even said it on the podcast. I was like – yeah, it, it, you know, if when something's working very well, you don't want to necessarily mess it up because it could damage things. Now, if it's just running progressively better but not necessarily freaking hot like it was in Milan, then, yes, you bring him in and you improve on the situation. But I thought the way the Pioli and the team had rallied around him was probably the wrong decision to bring him in, despite how much I love Ranić. Uh, and I'm not, I'm not regretful that he wasn't signed. I think the way Maldini is now taking leadership of the back room – uh, he's really put, he's trying to implement the way that it was back in his day when he played, and so I think they're in the right track. And you know, with the Elliott management taking over, at, you know, with the club, it's been very stable there. That's hasn't we haven't had stability in a long time, and so now he's just looking for the next owner, whether it's you know Arnaud or or whomever. Um, Elliott's going to wait, and it's stable at the moment, and everything right now seems to be working fine. And uh, I think ultimately, looking in hindsight. It was the right move. But, you know, Ranić is somebody who I think deserves to have another shot at a big club. And uh, maybe it's Schalke. Who knows? Yeah, it looks like he's going to Schalke. Is he joined or he's... No, that's it's a rumor. And it was funny because the rumor, not to go off topic real quick, but the rumor was either Ranić or the uh, Leipzig sporting director, Kroosje, which is his name, young young guy. And I'm like, why would he leave Leipzig for Schalke? It makes no sense whatsoever. And people kept saying, no, that's what the supervisory board wanted. And uh, he denied it today. He's like, I'm not leaving Leipzig. No, why would you? Right. So it, it, it probably going to be Ranić, but you know they're going to go through the arguments, you know, in the back room. So whatever. 
<laughs> All right. Um, before we get to the preview of the, of the second leg, uh, a guy who is uh, near and dear to both of us, an ESPN analyst, Stevie Nickel, uh, he had some uh, choice words after the game. Um, so on ESPN, they asked him, well, what, are they thought? what was his thoughts about the game? He said, you know, honestly, both teams are garbage. Neither, neither team can win. Uh, I wasn't impressed by what I saw. They were poor on the field, the rain. I just didn't want to watch it. I disagree wholeheartedly. I'm just curious on your thoughts, not only on Stevie, but just uh, his assessment of the match uh, from the first leg. Oh, Stevie Nicole. Oh, he's. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if there's a saying like where you are. Are you America or Canada? Canada America, 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 America. DC. Yeah. So yeah, DC. Nice. Um, so obviously, you know, stealing a living. That's that's something <laughs> yep. to say here. He's stealing yep. a living. So um, that that is that's what I've got to say about him. Look, I think especially with ESPN, I find it a lot. Obviously, it is an American publication. It's not in the UK. But what I do find a lot is that when you see a story about Manchester United, I don't have the same for Milan, but it's always a negative. Yeah. So even when Manchester United were challenging for the title, maybe in January sort of time, there was still negativity coming out. Yeah. I thought that, yeah, there he is. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. He's, he's, uh, he's, he's quite a character, isn't he? But <sighs> I think one of the things I will say is that there is... There is obviously the feeling that both sides aren't at their peak of their powers. We know that. Yeah. Let's be completely honest. We also know that both sides had five or six players out. So I do imagine in the second leg as well, Manchester United have to go and win. That's that's reality because yeah. there's a way goal. So both are good sides. Both played below their capability. I thought you guys played much better than we did. We definitely, we were shocking. And I saw a lot of, um, as obviously I commented on your post saying that, yeah. You guys are better than us. And this narrative that, yes, um, United are poor, but it wasn't because just because United were poor. Milan made United look poor. Correct. I think this is a problem. So I feel like because Manchester United was so bad, there's too many, especially in the UK, too many um, news outlets, new pub, news publications saying things like, oh, well, you know, there's only a reason why Milan looked good because United were poor. And it's just it's nonsense. And there's this Premier League arrogance I watch Serie A. I don't watch as much as I, I used to over the last few years, but I still watch it. It's my second league. Um, don't worry, I'm not wearing an Inter shirt. If that's what you're thinking, it's, I was going to really cut you off. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not, I've got a soft spot for Milan. Like you know, I've, I sort of go in between. I don't really have, um, I don't really have a club, but you know, I've been trying. I've been people are trying to convert me to Lazio and play clubs like that. But I, um, I like that's, Milan. That's Jerry for you. That's Jerry yeah, for you. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, Look, having a look at it all, I think it's absolute nonsense. They've got to sell newspapers. How are they going to do it? Let's just let's yeah. just pile in on two massive clubs, two clubs that obviously clearly aren't where they were a decade ago. Uh, it wasn't it wasn't a terrible game by any means. I thought it was quite an intriguing game to see what would happen. I don't think you played like a typical um, Italian no. side at all. You know, no. I don't think you sat there and you sat back and you you contained us. I thought you guys actually you pressed us. You. You played on the front foot. You were aggressive. We weren't expecting that. So, look, I think anything he says you take with a pinch of salt. Both sides, I think, on their day are good enough to win this competition. But I do feel like both sides are look have one one eye on the league and thinking, you know what, we're both sitting high up yeah. in our league. That's like we'll, we'll get thing, right? we'll get Champions League if we, you know, if I'm not sure what your what where what your expectations are as a club. I'm not sure if you guys need, if Pioli needs to win a trophy. 
Ole Gunnar Solskjaer needs to win a trophy, but I think most fans will sacrifice Europa League if that means we can secure second and get back into Champions League. Yeah, I don't think I don't think uh, Pioli needs to win a title or anything, but I think you know doing a good, showing a good performance in, in European competition and then doing well in the league is very vital. And I and I, I argue both of our clubs are in a situation where they need to go deep in a title in a in, in a European race while being competitive in the league because. This is what both our clubs have been known for throughout our history, right? Is going deep into these European competitions and trying to win the league. Uh, and, you know, why not do it now? You, you need that experience. If you want to get in the Champions League next year, you're going to have the same situation, right? So why not do the dry run now, do the practice, and give it a go? Um, it's a great a point. Yeah, yeah, it's a great point. Yeah, I was you, just, yeah go just ahead. Add, no, please yeah, so just to add as well, because I actually had someone um, say to me, oh, we should, we should forfeit, we should let Milan win it. And I'm like... When have we ever done that? Yeah. And I think I do think there is an element of because it's Oligon and Solskjaer. Would we have said that under Jose Mourinho? Think about no. it. No, 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 no. Unless we were sitting sixth and we couldn't get top four, then yeah, that's what he did in his first season, I think. Yeah. But this is a problem. I think because we've been where we are and because we've got a legend as a manager, I don't know if the same was under Gattuso or, or Sadoff when, you know, or was Inzaghi manager as well yeah. at some stage? Yeah. 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 I don't know if it's the same when you were there, but I feel like some of the fan base struggle to differentiate between Oligan and Solskjaer, the player, and Oligan and Solskjaer, the manager. And what you've got then is you've got us, you've got fans saying, oh, we should forfeit it. You make such a great point. Champions League is the same. What's the difference this year? Like you've right. got to win everything. You've got to try and win every single game. And unfortunately, I think there is a section of the fan base that don't they 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 give a buy because of who he is. Oh well, he's not Jose, so the expectations aren't the same. That's nonsense. Yeah. You, if, you, so, if we were in the, if we were in the Champions League Sweet Sixteen, would we say the same thing? No, we wouldn't. No, no, no we wouldn't. You know. Yeah. So that, that's the crazy yeah. thing. And you talked about the the English bias or the Premier League bias, you know. And, and I have no ill feeling against England or the Premier League or anything. It's just the, the, sometimes the comments that come out. I'm like, what are you talking about? And you know, and, and it's for for many for many other commentators that come out. They stay. They're still used to of the. A Catanaccio style Italian play where it's all defensive, this and that. And that's what they're expecting. And Serie A doesn't play that anymore. There are a few teams, if they're usually at the bottom of the table, who play that. All the best teams are playing attractive football. Look at Atalanta. They're one of the most attractive teams in the world. Um, and so, yeah, a lot of teams are, when, when they play these Serie A teams, they're like, oh, wait, I didn't expect that. You know, and so the it's just the bias is what drives me crazy. And that's it's not just the Premier League. We've seen it also if you're watching the Champions League and it's Barcelona or Real Madrid, all they talk about is those clubs. They don't talk about the other teams. Unfair when there's two good teams involved, you know. So that's where my whole thing came about. Um so let's quick uh, go through the preview of the, the second leg. Um obviously, you know, we're we come we're in a, we're both familiar with you know playing in European competitions. We know the importance of a, of of what the results are in the first leg. Many people want to write off either team, you know, because they oh, Milan didn't win, so they're going to lose, or, you know, Man United, they gave up a goal. We both know that both clubs are in an okay position. Milan slightly better, but both teams are can win this. We've seen this in 2007 when, you know, when you guys won the first leg, and then they said, oh, Milan has no chance, and they came back and won. And we've seen the flip, the flip you know, a couple years later. So uh, we are experienced enough to know that both teams are in it. What are you looking for toward the second leg? What's what's gonna what's gonna take for United to win this game? Well, the first thing is I think which is very important to to remember, and I'm not sure if if uh, you know the listeners know, but Manchester United are haven't lost in a year away. Our away record is phenomenal, wow. like genuinely phenomenal. I think in the calendar year as well in the league, I think we've only lost four games. We've just drawn a lot of games, so. There is same a result. To Milan, same to Milan, who are the same thing. Yeah. That's what you know. To the 
better away. I don't know if it's I don't know if it's um you know stage fright or whatever when we played at Old Trafford and the fans are there. We just our home record, or maybe it's the other way around, no fans being there. Yeah. United struggle to get up for it because you know often when you know when you're at Old Trafford and when the goal goes in, I mean, like we all we all go absolutely mental. Yeah, it just goes, <laughs> and then they do. They say as well. They say you know the Stratford end like sucks sucks the ball into the net. You know because yeah. the fans. You know when you, when like I'm sure it's a similar in San Siro. You know when Milan go down to a smaller side and then they get the equalizer and then everyone's up for it and it, they just carry the players home. And I think there's a legitimate argument to say that that's that's been the case i'm not making excuses because everyone's played without fans but manchester city have no fans in general so they are used to playing in empty stadiums <laughs> <laughs> you know they were only invented a couple of years ago with some oil money but no that's they're, right they're, they're, look they just they're, they're on a different level to they'll probably win the champions league this year pep doesn't tinker too much um but i think that what i would like to see from united is i, w- I think we'll have possibly paul pogba back i'm really hoping such a big pogba fan I think um, the way he's been treated in 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 the UK since he's moved here is, is pretty disgusting. I think that there's a, there's a racial element to it. Uh, I don't want to go into too much depth about that. Um, but yeah, I think if he comes back, it's a completely different game because United then have the ability to get the ball to the forwards. And one thing I think we didn't get to see enough, and you can correct me if you're wrong on this, but I feel like when I have watched Milan, I think pace, especially from the from opposition forwards, has been a problem for them. And we didn't see any of that the other day. We yeah. weren't able to exploit that. So hopefully if we have someone in midfield that can get the ball forward, um, you know, and if Cavani's back as well, he's got such clever movement, you know, in and around the box. I think, you know, he's got that experience as well. I think at the moment what United lacked, Martial's had a difficult season. What United lacked is has had someone who, who could make some space for himself in the box. I think that was key. And I expect yeah. that Luke Shaw will start as well. Luke Shaw has been really good this season. Obviously, you're a, you're a Saints fan, so you remember Luke Shaw come through. I do. I do. Uh, under Pochettino as well, a manager who I'm a massive fan of. But um, he's really showing that he's a very good pro- progressive ball carrier. He's him on that left hand side. He's been probably the best left left fullback in the, the Premier League, and you can argue he's been that good. He possibly is in talks to be up there with the best in Europe currently on current form. Um, and I think what United need to do is they need to really utilize these sort of players and then i think the next thing they need to do is well get get bruno fernandez nearer towards goal which we didn't do in the first leg at all but the reason why we couldn't do that is we don't have someone like paul Pogba to get the ball to him so um look i think it's very much in the balance it's been interesting to see what you do if you if i think if you guys sit back i think that's bit that i think that could be quite a sensible thing to do because we struggle to break down you know, mm-hmm. teams that sit deep. If you decide to go at us, I think that would be a possibly a, a poor tactic because I think United can really hurt teams in transition. We've got we've got the players to do that. Yeah. I'm going to put my neck out on the line and I'm going to say that United will win this two one. And I think then, yeah, I oh. think I think I think that's what's going to happen, and I think we'll go through. Um, but look, this this guy could be completely wrong. It's going to go either way. I think. Yeah, I think our away record will will just about carry us through. Uh, we can't play any worse than we did in the first leg. That's true. That's true, uh, and that's a very good point you brought about. You know, Milan when they've struggled this season, it, it has been because of pace on the wing. Uh, Teo Hernandez, while he does love to get forward, you know, it does leave him vulnerable going defensively, and uh, that's why I think it's important. No matter you know, it is. It'll be curious to see who starts for Milan. 
because uh, I think Tomori needs to be out there because not only is he a fantastic player, he's got that pace and he can keep up with anybody. We've seen that where, you know, if somebody, if there's a deficiency somewhere, he'll catch up to them and, and, and make a great tackle. So I think if he's out there, um, you'll likely see, depending on who, who joins Kessie in the midfield, whether it's Tonali or maybe a Benacer comes back, um, you'll probably see someone shade over to uh, Teo's side to help him. Uh, we saw that in a couple games earlier before the United game where uh, Kessie was helping uh, Teo Hernandez, you know, try to shade because the issue of the flanks and Calabria has been pretty good this season. So most teams have been taking advantage of the left left wing side. So that is an area I think you guys can play. I think, and you're right, if we, if Milan uh, are start attacking United, they'll leave themselves vulnerable. And then for those counterattacks, Internazionale destroyed Milan because of that. And I think, you know, playing on, if Milan play with a counterattack style mentality, they have a good opportunity, but uh, it depends what kind of formation we see from Milan. Um, it'll be uh, a chess match for sure. Obviously, we want to see what both lineups of the teams bring. I think a key for Milan is that midfield again. They look so smooth, so effortlessly. Yeah. Um, you know, they you had dominated the midfield bat- battle, didn't you? And that was a key. That's why you won. I think another thing to add as well is that you guys, are, like you said, probably you can be exploited down your left flank. We have no right right flank. You know, we've, we don't have a right winger. Oh, Ahmad played the other day, Diallo. Uh, he came on, but our attacks, 70% of our attacks have come down our left-hand side this season. We're very, very, um, mm. we're very unbalanced. So that's, that's another issue for us. You know, do we put Rashford out there and play someone else on, on the left? So I think that's one of the reasons why we struggled to exploit you as well, because whoever was playing on the right wasn't effective, but you won the midfield battle. So whoever wins midfield battle, I think probably, probably wins this game. Yeah. Um, and if Paul Pogba doesn't play, you win it. Simple as that. Okay, that's a good shot. And I think you you predicted two one for United. Um, I'm gonna say I'm gonna go the the flip of that. Well, why wouldn't I, right? Two uh, one for Milan, Victor. I think there will be goals for both teams. I think uh, you know both teams. Well, they they do play well defensively. At times, they do have lapses. We saw that with Milan for certain uh, with those co- missed opportunities that you guys had, as well as the the one well the wonderful goal that was scored. Nothing could be nothing anyone could done about that. Beautiful pass, beautiful goal, uh, but. I think both teams are susceptible to uh, the this miss, missing the game, missing the missing a couple moments, and then the other team takes advantage of it. And um, I think whoever's most clinical is going to win in this. So it'll be it'll be a big tie. I think I don't think it'll be a blowout. You know, these two teams are as good as they are. They're you know historically they're probably going to play close as they have been historically. So yeah, it'll be a good tie no matter what. Uh, yeah, I, I I'm excited for it. It's a big game coming up Thursday. Um, yeah, well, I'm, I'm more happy that you're here on this podcast. I'm glad you joined us here. Uh, please tell our followers where they can find you on social media and your podcast. Yeah, thank honestly, Richard, thank you so much for inviting me on. It's been a long time coming uh, to do a collaboration. You're doing some fantastic work. I absolutely love the graphics and everything. It's, it's fantastic. You're doing really, really well. Um, obviously, you can see on the screen, If I don't know if you guys listen to this on audio, but if you do, it's at Hader underscore Rubani. And then you can find the masterclass on many platforms now. So it's called the Football Masterclass. Just type that into YouTube. Uh, you can find us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. We're on Twitch as well. I haven't really got my head around that because I'm a bit old. Uh, it's for young, younger kids. <laughs> yeah, I, just, I haven't got my head around it yet. Eventually, we'll have to. I'll have to do that at some stage. Um, yeah, you can follow us on Twitter as well at capital T, capital F, and then capital M Masterclass, one word. And yeah, look, if you um if you're interested in just hearing 
analysis you know quite quite deep into the tactics but also it's not boring because i think a lot of people do it quite boring they go a bit overboard if you're interested sure. in listening about united's tactics um and just what's going on with Manchester United in general, um, myself and Rob. Rob's fantastic. Obviously, he's a journalist. He's a very well-known journalist at works, and he's got good connections with Manchester United. So, uh, yeah, definitely check it out because, look, Milan and uh, United, I think they're very similar teams. I think they're hurt fan bases. You know, we, we have a lot of pride. We've seen our, our teams at the absolute pinnacle for so many years and to see where we are now hurts, but you've got to support your club through thick and thin. And uh, I really hope that you guys get back to where you where you work, you're a, you're an amazing club. You know, it's, it's one of my dreams to go to San Siro one day. So, well, I know you guys are actually building a new stadium, aren't you? I think we're trying, we're trying. Yeah, we are trying. Yeah, so. but you know, hopefully, uh, hopefully, one day I'll be able to make that trip to Italy when things are calm down a little bit. Fair enough, and I'm also looking forward to get to Old Trafford someday too, as well. So, I've been, and back to San Siro, of course, or whoever yeah. the new stadium is. So. Let me know when you're at Old Trafford, mate, and we'll we'll make a we'll day do. of it. We'll do, we'll do for sure. Uh, as always, you can follow me at r underscore k h a r m a n. We are part of the World Football Index. Sit down, sit down. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Spotify, iHeartRadio, you name it. We we are there. Uh, so definitely give us a check out. Make sure you follow us our YouTube page and. Uh, Give a, give a subscribe and a like and leave a comment. That would be much, much appreciated. Uh, until the next episode comes, which is on Tuesday night, 8.30 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, we will catch you then. Thank you, Hater. And we'll see you next week. Ciao.